while since I've actually been actively rooting for teams to lose for playoff implications for the Red Wings. Like, I think, yeah, 2016, it's been a long time. It's a really weird feeling. Yeah, it's been like Dennis Chalowski years. Yeah, D- Dennis Chalowski draft years. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, we were te- we were literally texting, is it yesterday? Yeah, during the Buff- when Buffalo was playing, during the Red Wing game. You, you, you were mentioning the score. I was having so much fun watching Buffalo get pounded last night. And then Toronto wanted to make it really interesting at the end. Yeah, they are the worst for that. Yeah, they are. And I'm not a I, I'm the biggest Winnipeg Jets fan tonight. I'm going all out. I'm going all out. Sorry, Fugue. It's Fugue. It is really weird because I mean this last three or four days I've been actually looking at games and paying attention and like, okay, I want this team to lose and this team to lose. It's so much fun. It is a lot more fun. I this is easily the most positive this fan base has been in before like even before like the 2016 year because even that year we were like okay we can see the there's like we can see that this is going to end poorly yeah this is like 10 i honestly like are you like a little less than 10 years maybe in terms of like the the overall thought and stuff like that like even if they miss it's still great this is all we asked for the beginning of the year it's just like hey play meaningful games down the stretch yep you've gone from that now to like a legitimate chance of if you look at the pure math, the Red Wings are in a really good position. Like it's kind of in their hands. Yes, I, and we'll I get would in, say so. And we'll get into it a little bit more. But uh, first, uh, welcome into another episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And Andy's being held out for trade-related reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the, I really love that, and we're going to talk about that later. But uh, yeah, I thought Andy will get a kick out of that when he listens to this later. But uh, yeah, the Detroit Red Wings. Winners of five out of six. Is it more than that now? I I know it was they were seven and three their last ten before this game happened. I don't know if that factors in to be eight and two or seven and three still. Uh, it was five of the last six. I think that's an important one on a road trip. It's a big one. Yeah, that was even yeah right before they left. Yeah, again post All Star or yeah post All Star they've been really on a heater. Yep, and they've turned. Definitely turned to the opinion of the fan base around quite a bit on a bunch of things. Um, but yeah, the Red Wings are sitting two points back currently of the final wild card spot. And they have games at hand. I mean, just pulling up the Eastern Conference wild card spot. Yeah, Detroit sits 56 games played, 62 points. Pittsburgh's immediately ahead. Same amount of games played, one more point. They've been struggling. Yeah, Florida. What's that? They've been struggling bad. I don't know if you saw that stat about their third line today. No, I did not. Uh, they've played since January first. They've played a combined. It's like forty-eight games, and they have eight points combined. That's uh, really was Jeff, good. Jeff know, Carter, Brock McGinn, and Casper Kapanen. Well, I know I've had Brian Rust on off my fantasy team all year. <laughs> that should say enough itself. Pontiac, Pontiac, Michigan legend. Yes, uh, he's been a ghost this year, basically. I saw a report as well. Jeff Petrie's on the trade block. Like, I feel like we've we've seen this again. It's the yeah. meme of the guy walking down the hallway. He's like, oh shit, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Florida Panthers, 60 games played, 64 points. Red Wings have four games at hand. Also, Florida's been super inconsistent. Just sent down Spencer Knight mm-hmm. when he's got a big extension coming in next year. Very interesting. Is it? 
Is it bad that the most the team I'm most worried about is four points behind the Red Wings right now? The Ottawa, uh, you talking about Ottawa? Yes. Honestly, like they've played the best of late. They look really good. <laughs> they have pieces. Like I mean, I know they just sold off Martin. I know they they just literally ten minutes before we came on Nikita Zaitsev, blockbuster of the year. But um, no, they have the only thing that's going to hold them back is is their goaltending. And it's been good. I know. I don't know how long you can trust um, Sogard and Mandalus. But... He just got sent down, I think, right? Mandalese, I think. Okay. I think they're camped out. Camp so, Talbot then. Yeah. I think Mandalese gets sent down. Um, he, got, he got his soul stolen by David Pasternak twice. Yeah. <laughs> Not to look way too far ahead, but I mean, the 27th and 28th are going to be really telling because you have Ottawa on a back to back in Ottawa, both games. Can I say this? Like, I really love that because it's I the same. Too. It's the same thing for both teams. If yeah. you're gonna do a back to back, like by all means, make it be the same team. Like the like the Red Wings and the Bruins do it the same. They do the same thing too. In uh, a couple weeks later, yeah. Granted that, granted that one's a little different. For I'm sure. not. I'm not against it. I'm just saying, like, I, I like those. The fact of like they're a lot easier to judge. Because again, if you lose in a second half of a back back to a team with rest, it's like okay, should have should have lost. Scheduled loss is what they like to call it. Yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, no, I'm kind of with you. Ottawa's been really good. I mean, Buffalo's... who else, who else are you really worried about right now? Like, I guess well, Buffalo. I could see getting hot again. The two teams I really think are in it with Detroit are it's Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I, I... I'm not scared of Pittsburgh right now. I'm, I'm not. Scared. I'm not scared of Pittsburgh either. But like in terms of Sidney Crosby, like I'm always going to be scared of him. I, I would put Islanders and Florida ahead of the of ahead of Pittsburgh right now. I think like the Islanders, even with bars without Barzell, I feel like they've gotten so much like motivation recently from the Horvat trade. It's just like they're just playing with such a more such a different cause right now, and they have and he, a and top three goalie in the league. I'd go top one. I think he might be the best goal in the NHL right now. I'd say uh, top three. Yeah. He's been fantastic. I don't even know. Yeah. I did love the tweet. I love the tweet is like Hellebuck versus Sorokin tonight. Good luck scoring any goals. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> um, No, I really, for real though, like the Islanders, I mean, first line Matt Martin. Yeah. I really, it's really like, I do love how Lane Lambert has not changed anything about the Barry Trot system. He's just like, I'm going to reward my dudes. They find ways to win. They do find ways to win. I'll give them that. But also, um, like, they do it in the weirdest ways. So, I mean, I mean, power to them. But they do. I, I think they have pieces. I, I, I'm not scared of them. No. Like, per se, if the Red Wings play them. I just think they're going to win games they need to win. Yeah. I mean, they proved it against Pittsburgh, right? They held, they weathered the storm and beat them. That's yeah. a good example right there. Um. Yeah, they're um, such an interesting team. They played so many. Like again, they're they're at sixty games too, as well. So yeah, kind of the I same mean, thing. Florida's such a weird team too. Uh, it's Matthew, almost like that. It's almost Kachuk's like a freak. <laughs> oh my god, he's so good. I really thought he was gonna have a down year this year. It's almost like they should have stayed with their coach that got them a ton of points. Yeah, I'm just spitballing. I mean, they do have elite defenseman Mark Stahl. I mean, can we talk about that? Well, that I mean, play he had? They didn't really have a choice to get rid of their coach that got them all those points. No, we're talking about we're talking about Brunette. Oh, he didn't get them all those points though. He got him most of the points. Uh, I would say 
Quenville got them the start they needed, and then he basically just took over the hottest team in the NHL after like half a season or no, a quarter I'm, of a season. Nope. I know exactly when Burnett took over because it was when I came out to visit. And so it was Halloween that it's he Halloween. took over. Oh, yeah. it was? Yeah, Burnett coached most that season. Okay. I know that for a fact because I watched, I watched it at mom and dad's house. I'm wrong then. It was his first game. Uh, and remember, it was that crazy game that Adam Ernie, Robbie Fabry, and like the, all the blocking. You're right. That was Brunette's so, first game. That was like 10 games in? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could call it Quinville's system and all that fun stuff, but still, it's like he was there for 72 games. We want to yeah. call, call it that. You're right. <laughs> Thank you. I just know uh, how, bad, how bad they looked in the playoffs under Brunette. That... They did. They did. At least they made it, though. They did, yes. And the cap, the Caps team was scrappy. I, like, I, I don't want to discredit them. I thought they played pretty well that first round series. Florida didn't do anything for themselves any favors, but it's well. it's hard for me to judge that because I think this Florida team is so much worse than it was last year. Um, I oh, do it, think they are. Matthew they're, depl- they're depleted. Is not so. Um, he's he's a hard trophy candidate. Yeah, he's got seventy eight and fifty seven right now. He's insane. He's really good. Barkov's been kind of like on and off the IR sheet, so yeah. that hasn't been doing himself any favors. Sam Bennett and Sam Reinhardt have kind of been a little bit of a down year. Uh, Carter Verhage's also still killing it this year. Yeah, I know Bennett's been in and out of the lineup as well. I don't know how much Reinhardt has. Reinhardt's kind of been a ghost. Yeah, Lou Osterainen, he's been pretty good this year too. Yeah, but it's their their defense kills them. They have nothing on the back end aside from yeah. Mark Stahl. Yeah, true. So he's Florida, in the Norris running right now. I think. I think so too. Um, Florida scares me when Detroit plays them, but any other team now they're pedestrian. Agreed. They get cooked. The Reddings are it's such a weird team in the sense of how well they like they play team they play teams that are really well structured. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because they can match structure, but like if they play like a high octane offense, like they'll get cooked. I lied about Reinhardt. He hasn't actually been that bad this year. And also Bennett hasn't been in another lineup as much as I thought. Okay. Never mind. We keep getting I I love how we fact check this. Could that could have been bad. We could have been... I know. Reinhardt's forty five and sixty right now, which isn't horrible. No, that's fine. That's I mean, you're on point you're like sixty five point pace. And Bennett's thirty five and fifty six. Decent. Fifty some point not pace. Bad. No, you can't complain for a second line center. So I mean, it's not really again. It's just kind of losing, losing guys like Hubert. I, I think it's just such a big locker room change, and then also along with that, you're changing your coach. It's a whole new system. There's a lot of change. Yeah. Um. But anyway, kind of like just back in Detroit's favor here. I mean, their past week has really changed their odds. I mean, I can pull up the. I sent you uh, Micah Blake McCurdy's graph. Um, hold on. I should have pulled this up better. I should have been a better host. That's on me. Um, so with the win over Washington last night, the Red Wings are up to 21% to make the playoffs. 32, according to his model. And that, that factors in the strength of schedule, which we can get into as well for the Red Wings. Cause they're one of the, I think they actually have the hardest schedule remaining in terms of teams with point, active points percentage. So I think it's a little under 600 they're facing the rest of the year, which is, it's no joke. Um, but yeah, 21% to make the playoffs, 32 points. 
if they get 32 points from their final 26 games, it's probably enough. A few more to be safe. So roughly you're looking at six, like 16 and 10. Yeah. Doable. Yeah. It's gonna be hard though. Uh, Yeah. Very hard. That's kind of putting up the remaining game. Like, like you kind of like uh, allude to some of their, you know, remaining games, like the Ottawa back to back, but Rangers tomorrow uh, today, if you're listening on Thursday, Tampa Bay on the weekend, Ottawa twice, who's no joke. Seattle again. Islanders who are also fighting. Then Philly, Chicago. Philly's been scrappy. Chicago also kind of been scrappy, but I mean, I think post-deadline, depending on what happens, yeah. could be a little deflating. Uh, Boston back-to-back. Nashville's an interesting one. Colorado, Florida, St. Louis, St. Louis. Philly, Pitt, Carolina, Winnipeg, Toronto. I mean, you got some tough, and then the last four games of the year: Pitt, Dallas, Carolina, Tampa. Woof. Yeah, it's a tough way to end. There's a lot of tough ones in there because they play some. They saved a lot of their hard games to end, for sure. But again, I mean, last night, for example, the Washington game. I kind of want to start with that one if we're looking at like mm-hmm. games played, because that was huge. That's it was the biggest Red Wings game in no joke seven years. Or six years. Yeah. 2016 season. Um, They play perfect. I mean, I, I not perfect, I should say. But for a road game, when you're finishing up a six-game road trip, I could like a five-game road trip, I couldn't have asked anything better. Yeah, agreed. They played very... Like, that was one of their better structurally defensive games. The only goal they allowed was a, f- a five-minute major power play goal against, and they evened it up on the shorthanded tally. What else can you ask for? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I yeah, a couple of points from that game too. I mean, Robert Hag scoring his first, pretty neat. Elite. I know you were you're not happy about him being in the lineup to start the game. I was not. And then he uh, shows you up his elite offensive ability. I mean, I could have scored that, but did you see his stat line versus the Washington Capitals in his career? Yeah, that's nuts. He's just <laughs> a, a dynamo. Seven points in fifteen games. Unreal. Good for him. Good for him. No, I thought he and I like uh in terms of the hockey stat card, he was the second best player on the Red Wings last night. Yeah. In terms of impact. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about the first right now. I mean, Pew Suter. Dude has been on fire this whole stretch. I would say yeah. he's arguably been like behind Larkin, he might be up there for best player. Yeah. Impact both sides of the ice. I think there was the Prashant Thayer had it, his P- PK impact since he started his career, and he's top ten in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. We were saying that, we were saying that last year, and he wasn't even really utilized that much in the PK to start the year this year, which was something. No, strange. he wasn't. And he was scratched the first game of the year. I think he was finding himself out of the lineup due to that a little bit at the start of the year, because I don't yeah. think they were sure how they wanted to use him. And, and right now he's become yeah. a player that is way too tough to take out of the lineup. Oh, he's not even in consideration right now. I mean, we'll no. have a we'll have a lineup conversation a little bit later, but um, yeah, he's been fantastic. Not much else to say about it. I mean, two huge goals. The first, the first being that shorthanded beauty. Um, really, he has a such an underrated wrist shot. Like he can really pull it and rip it. That yeah. <laughs> The one was a snipe. Yeah, the other one was just right place, and he put it in the right spot. 
wasn't yeah. a pre- it wasn't necessarily a pretty shot, but hey, it went in. Um, but the big kind of one of the big storylines from this game is uh, Dylan Larkin only playing two minutes and fifty eight seconds due to a uh, he got ejected. Um, it was kind of a weird play. Uh, TJ Oshie went to go make contact on Larkin. It wasn't going to be a huge hit or anything, but Larkin instinctively put his hands up. Unfortunately, he had a stick in both hands and got Oshie in the face. Immediately, you could tell like intent was not there as he like went to Oshie right away. And no Capitals player even touched Larkin. Yeah. Because you'd think like right away, if it, if it was deemed that way, Capitals players would have jumped him. Yeah. Especially when they jump him. What? If it's malicious, they jump him. Plus on an L five, like when they're they were they were already in the midst of a five game losing streak. Like by yeah. all means, you gotta get the energy going somehow. Yeah. And they did not. Um, and that just goes to show. And I think the it sucks because I do think the right call was kind of made, but it's easy to compare of Larkin's past being like, why wasn't this the same? You look to the Jamie Ben cross check. He also had the Jonathan Huberto con- uh, cross check to his to his neck. I don't, I don't think the, the Jonathan Huberto one was as bad because it wasn't right to the teeth. No, but you get what I'm saying though, right? Yeah. Like you can you can understand where arguments could be made. I do think it was like again the right call, and I'm glad that there was no suspension, obviously for selfish reasons, but also I think the, basically from the beginning of the game, he missed the entire game. I think that's a fair punishment. Yeah. It was suffice. And TJ Oshie was fine. He came and he played the rest of the game. Which is so good. Perfect. Yes, very happy. I like TJ Oshie a lot. So it, it's just a it's a weird play. And I don't yeah, really, oh, yeah. I don't know the exact rule, but to me, like he's just instinctively reacting to body contact that is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And you gotta figure out a way to control your stick. Like you cannot just instinctively raise your hands and catch someone in the face with your stick. No. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so I don't know whether or not that's a two-minute or a five-in-a-game. I don't know. Initially, I thought it was going to be a four. I thought it was going to be the blood. I thought it was going to be a blood draw. So it sucks that he had to miss the whole game for something that he obviously didn't mean to do, but it. I mean... I mean, even Dylan, like, like you could tell like when they were showing that when he was getting pulled out of the box to go to the... To, to leave the game you could tell like he was like yeah okay like he understood he looked yeah he it looked like he was upset but not upset in a way like he didn't think he should be kicked out it was no like, he, more upset that he uh, did it that he like instinctively did that yeah no and i agree 100 so and i'm again i think like it's been well documented that that's such a gutsy win without your best player yeah a bunch of big performances defensively, especially I thought like the whole decor, I know cider looked jumpy at points, but I think he's like, like later on in the game. I think he kind of, he made a couple big blocks. Um, Cider Cider struggled all game. You think so? Yeah. I thought he he still did. All right. He had a bad game. The amount of pizzas he threw last night. Early on uh, in the game. I I agreed with that. Like I think he threw some bad passes later in the game too. Whether it was in the O zone or D zone, I mean, I can think of three off the top of my head that he turned over in the D zone, like bad, mm-hmm. and they're just like lazy. Just one of them was like a lazy rim that like you have yeah. so much time, and I, I, it's just uncharacteristic for him when you see him usually make 
the simple play and take his time and be patient. And then, yeah, there was one, like he like went to go make an outlet pass. It hit like a, a four checkers skate. And then he like got like upset and like iced it. I don't know yeah. if you remember that one. It was, the... I do remember that one. There was... That one was weird to me. There's a couple. I mean, even, I mean, this was just unlucky, but the, the Verona one where he slid it back to cider and cider just yard sailed and Verona had to <laughs> that was like, hustle back. Yeah, we oh, I buried the lead. I should have led with that. The, the honestly, the biggest storyline was Verona's return. I shouldn't have said Larkin's just like little thing. I think yeah. Verona's return was a bigger story. That's my bad. That's my fault. Um, and he got the nice um video tribute because of course it was his first game back in Washington. I thought the Capitals did really good with the video. Uh, kudos to them. And I thought Verona played pretty well. I was really excited to see him play. I mean, ice time, I mean, like a lot of PK time, so that will go into it. Um, but he played the second least amount of minutes just in just behind Jonathan Bergeron, who played the least. Um, also, Verona wasn't on special teams yet because he didn't have enough time to get acclimated on onto a unit. I would have liked them to use him a little bit more. But overall, I think there was a couple plays he overthought. There was a play in like the neutral zone where like he was like getting the flow of it and he just like quick tapped to the middle of the ice and it was a turnover, but I think he, obviously the thought was there. It's just, he overthought it, but no, that back shot, that play, for example, I mean, that was him like putting a snap. Don't take me out of the lineup. Yeah. Uh, he got on his, he got on his high horse and got back. I thought he played great. Truthfully. I, I mean, I'm pretty picky when it comes to his game sometimes because he can be, I know what kind of player he is, and I never thought he should change as a player. Because, I mean, he offers so much in the O zone that he really never contributes in the D zone or on the back check or the four check. He's right. like a, he's a floater. And last night, I thought he was moving his feet more than I've ever seen him move his feet. Uh, especially on the forecheck and the backcheck. And then just the due diligence that he did in the D zone and in the neutral zone, I thought he was really disciplined. Um, yeah. Which I think is something that they've been really trying to work on him with. I think that's a big, like, kind of pick that Lalone has had in his game is, like, discipline. Um. It seems like that, at, at least the way he talks about Verona and that he wants him to be better in the D zone and in the neutral zone. Um, But, man, he was busted last night. There were multiple plays where he just turned on the Jets, starting from the D zone, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like he, That's he an has, underrated part of his game. He's fast. His speed, yes. He has legit breakaway speed. Yeah. Um, and usually you only see it when he, he gets a breakaway, but well, remember when we were in Detroit last year? The yeah, the season Columbus, we, yeah. We cooked Gavrikov. Mm-hmm. That was the prime example right there. And now he's gonna do it to Gavrikov in the first round of the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Ooh, nice. <laughs> Look at that tie in back to the yeah, Eastern yeah, yeah. Conference wild card. Look yes, at that. Sir. You want to host next episode? Yeah. <laughs> No, <laughs> you'd shit your pants. Yeah, I would. Um, but no, I super happy to see him back. 
And again, I liked his comments after the game. And I liked Alone's comments too. I think he was happy with his game. I think he would have played more given a different, like a lot less PK time. Cause that definitely ruined the rhythm of things. And also losing Larkin messes up your line flow. Cause I did like how he had Valeno and Fabry with him. Yeah. I thought that gave a nice chance of uh skill and also a lot of effort there. Like yep. Fabry and Valeno are two guys that were are willing to mix it up in the corner. Um, but yeah, no, huge win. I think that PK as well. I mean, granted, Washington's power play has been pretty bad all year. That's without with that's with Ovechkin. Uh, but without John Carlson. And without John Carlson as well. They they most of the year without John Carlson, which is a, a detrimental loss. No, I, I agree. I'm I'm just saying like they looked like they had no idea who to go to. On that yeah. whole, they were passing it around nice, but it's just like they gave it to like Dylan Strom, and they're like, and Dylan Strom's like, I want to pass. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, big like it's a huge confidence boost for the PK, but also I think it should be taken into consideration. Also, another big Huso game. Made some big saves. Made some timely saves. Very big. Yeah, especially that Backstrom one to, uh, towards the end of the game. Um, the Red Wings want to keep making a run like this. Huso is arguably like him and Larkin are. The two biggest pieces of that. Also, Jake Wallman to the moon. Yeah, um, we'll talk about uh, the Red Wings defense here in a second, but uh, sign the man. Yeah, sign the I, man yesterday. I, sign him yesterday. I'm game for like eight by twelve. I don't even care at this point. Okay, yeah, him drawing that penalty on Wilson, and then like he Wilson being a loser and pissy pants about it, and then Wallman yeah, not that wanting to awesome. do them. That was great. Um, I think Jake Wallman's the best defenseman in the NHL right now. Could be. I'm I'm willing to hear it. Willing to hear it. Um, but yeah, that puts the Red Wings tied with Washington and also three games at hand. So or no, t- not tied with the Washington. Yeah, tied with Washington, excuse me. Um, so they've put themselves again in a really good spot. And in terms of games at hand, the Red Wings are in a favorable spot with like Buffalo and Pittsburgh. But the issue is the Red Wings strength of schedules is definitely significant. So only time will tell, um, but I'm super excited and I'm I'm amped. And this is just what I mean. This again, what we wanted in the beginning of the year, and I think it's a big reason why Eisman spent like he did in free agency last year. Didn't want to see any of those, uh, any more of those uh, Coyotes games, the nine-two loss in your own arena. Probably Didn't not. See the eleven-two uh, loss in that Pittsburgh. Was really, really fun. Those those were awful to watch. Like the, it was nothing redeeming about it just demoralizing and that hasn't really happened again early in the year. I think there was an adjustment period where there was some of that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, of late it's in, in the new year, I can't think, I don't think there has been one I can think of. I can't think of any either, which is a huge step, head. huge yeah. step. Um, I think we go to, since we did, or we were talking about defense, talk about Ali Mata. Uh, we were talking about him a couple weeks ago, actually, in our trade deadline preview episode of sorts, because you know the Red Wings were kind of in an interesting spot. That would take yeah. a lot. Of, it would take a really nice run to put them in, a, in the contention of not sellers. But uh, hey, look where we are. Not talking about it anymore. And Steve Eisman is deemed we're not talking about Ali Mata as a, a selling piece either, because uh, two year extension, three million dollars. Uh, what were your thoughts right away? Uh, I was extremely happy. Actually, it took me. I guess not right away. I took me a little bit to process it. Um, but after I did a little bit of thinking, I was like, this is really good for the team. Um, 
because of what he's done so far for the Red Wings and what he's provided, I really just think he kind of fits a, a stylistic type player that the Red Wings haven't had in a very long time. Just solid shutdown guy. He's steady. Yeah. I mean, I think yesterday against Washington, he made the worst play I've seen him make all year. And it was just a wide shot that was a breakout pass for that's what that play was on the that might have been actually the Huso Huso save. That that might have been the Backstrom chance. I can't quite remember though. And that's been bugging me all day. But Anyways, he just provides that, and I, I can't remember a player for the Red Wings in some time that has provided what Mata has brought to the team this year. Honestly, maybe like a Nick Jensen. That's a, a little, that's kind of who I was thinking of. A little bit better than Nick Jensen, though, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, he's uh, off pure value alone, like $3 million for Ali Mata is perfect. Like, that's on the nose. Yeah. He's getting his... He gets two years, and he's been a guy who's kind of bounced around the last couple. I mean, you think L.A., Chicago, and then Pittsburgh, he had such high expectations as being a first, having the first-round pick tagged to him and having a couple of big offensive years with Chris Letang. But yeah. then he's changed his game completely. I think Todd McClellan was huge for him, former Red Wings assistant, in really changing his game and to be more of a defensive-minded guy. And then he's also had a bigger role this year where he's had to be able to put a little more offense in. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's at two, he's, he's got five goals this year, 12 assists. I mean, or 13, I think now, something like that. I don't remember. What the, I think it's 13 now. Yeah, I'm not but, sure. But, no, I, I love the contract. I think this provides the Red Wings with so many options on in their six. Because I think he can fit. I think he can go any pair, personally. Uh, I agree. Not, not, a, not a pretty player by any means. Not Doesn't have the foot speed. But he's just plain smart and he's reliable. <laughs> He's faster than I thought he was, though, going into the season. I mean, for as much as I thought I knew about Mata, I thought he was a little bit slower than what he has given Detroit this season. Um, He provides actually decent foot speed. It's not, like, going to kill you, but he can cover for himself, which Mm -hmm. I didn't think he could even do. I think it's because he's also just so smart, though. Yeah. Like, like, he doesn't really put himself in situations where he has to, like, win a foot race. True. Which is, again, a huge part. I love his play. Like, he on the on the point, I think he does a really good job of, like, reading what play to make. Oftentimes, yeah. the simple play is the best play. I'm sure Wallman is super fun. So Wallman and Sider are super fun to watch, like, making their moves off the off the wall to the middle. But Ali Mata will just kind of wait it out. Wait to see if his partner is there. And just creating point shots. Yeah, something simple, but I really I like his game. Now, can I make an argument of like where he should be in the lineup on this current iteration of the Red Wings? Uh, yeah, by all means, because uh, there's a certain someone who's in his spot right now that I don't want there. Yeah, and I did send the the graph that Prashant Iyer um put up of a Cider's game without when Wallman joined his pair, and then also when Horonic got trod on his pair, and they are quite <laughs> they are literally the opposite. So uh, kind of funny, kind of funny. It's hilarious. It so, sucks though. It does suck, and I've really um, like Alimato was huge for Philip Romano's game this year, and that was the first thing we pointed out at the beginning of the year. We're that, like, this 
if this is going to be if Heronik's going to break out, this is going to be the year because this is the perfect defense defensive partner for him. I know we literally talked about the, like the crystal tang mold, and we pounded the table forever about this. What um, happened? Yeah, exactly. Heronik started off the season great, and I don't. I to be fair, I don't think he's been that bad recently. No, no, I, I, I don't do think so either. Do think he's been brought down a little bit, just like I thought Cider was brought down at the start of the year. Yes, you are carrying a boat anchor. Yes, a very much avoidable boat anchor that was signed in the offseason. A but... really big boat anchor that moves a lot, that isn't standing still like a normal boat anchor would. And it hits a lot of people. But other than that, it doesn't really do a whole lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest, I, like in defensive Ben Chirot, anything like in the offensive zone, I think he does the right thing. I actually don't think he's that bad in the offensive zone. Um, and then sometimes in the D zone, like he makes me smile and he'll like crunch someone. But oh, he beats times... the, he beats the shit out of people. Like it's something the Red Wings need for sure. I like that aspect he brings, but like he often just loses his guy and just doesn't know where he's going. Yeah, I guess which my is only tough. Pro- I I don't know. Why not just throw Witter back there? <laughs> <laughs> just a guy. <laughs> no, it, it's obvious. I know, like, basically, Lalone kind of said this in a press conference a little while ago that, like, some uh, Max Bowman, I think, asked about Mata being reunited with Hironik, and he's like, well, then Shrott would have to go down to the third pairing. And so that kind of just says everything you need to know of, like, kind of where they want Shrott at. Yeah. They want him in the top four, and he gets paid like a top four defender. Therefore, he'll be deployed as, as such, unfortunately. But, um, no, I, I kind of wanted to, like, since you, we brought up kind of like mixing Sherrod into this, uh, Detroit's left side is really interesting. That's what I was just going to talk about or wanted to talk about. Um, that's the only way you could tell me that you don't like the Mata signing, and I would be like, okay, let's talk about it. Because my opinion is you can't just give a spot to Edvinson or Johansson. No. What does that teach? Yeah, teaches like you don't have to work hard. Um. Look at John. Look at the perfect example of why you don't do this is Jonathan Berger in this year. Exactly. Didn't get a spot. Didn't even make the team out of the camp. Like out of camp. Worked its way onto the roster through injury, of course. But then he kept his spot, and the Red Wings have waived veteran players in in place of him. Yep. There's always moves you can make. That's the only big argument I can see, though, is like if you deem one. Or both of them to be completely ready next year. It makes it tough. And then there's the whole Jake Wallman saga. Like, if you are rolling Sherratt and Mata next year, are you thinking about plugging one of your AHL guys in or signing a free agent? Or are you going to continue with Mata? Or, I mean, Wallman. Because I 100% think you should continue with Wallman as well. Wallman's got to be the guy. I know Frank Saravalli reported that um, teams were asking about Wallman, but the Red Wings were still kind of, they're very much interested in re-signing him. Yeah. I think they should do that, like, soon. Yeah. I, I, I want that done, like, right now. <laughs> Yesterday would be great. And I think Wallman does not want that done right now. Uh, no, because he's just cranking up his value right now. Uh, I, I want two first-round picks for him right now. Yeah. Um he he's a stud. 
he's so much fun. Like again, he brings. We've talked about it at length this year of like what he actually brings to the Red Wings blue line. How much act like how active he is on like on the blue line creating offense. I mean, he almost he hit the post uh, the last Dude, game against Washington. That was sick. I would would I have liked him just walk it in and score? Yeah, because Kemper was all the way out to the bottom of the circle. But well, I don't care. Like that would have been even sweeter if he just ripped it. Just beat him when in. Kemper was like on top of him. Yeah. Who threw that pat? Was that Bergeron that threw that? Yeah, Ber- Bergeron was oh wheeling. Okay. Bergeron at five on five last game was insane. Yeah. Power play wasn't the power play sucked last night, but at five on five, Bergeron, like he was throwing darts. The yeah, Fleno one, dart. Fleno one, and the um, Wallman one. He set up Perron too, I think, and Perron and Barry. Perron snake bit and bad. But I mean, yeah, yeah, and I thought he had a really good game last night. He had a really good game. Well, we're getting off topic. We are still on D. What What would a Jake Wallman contract look like to you? I'm still stuck on the Jonas Siegenthaler comparison. Okay. Three and a half by five years. Three and a half million a year, five years. Oof. I think he gets more than that. I think he does too. I think he's pushing for it, but I think that's like the model I would be looking at for a contract personally. I'm thinking like five by five. The question is though, like how big of like, this isn't a big enough sample size. The issue though is we can't really negotiate with him because he's going to be unrestricted free agent. Yeah. If he's an RFA, by all means, you take this down to the wire. Like you work him this summer. Like he's under team control. I, I a hundred percent. Remember when he was supposed to get a two way deal? <laughs> what, remember when we talked about like how, like, we're like, yeah, okay, fine. Like, we can lose him. <laughs> I think that's like one of our poorest takes this summer. We because we were like, we were like, why isn't he like? He's asking for two million. He's nuts. Yeah, when he was legitimately when he was legitimately one of the Red Wings' best left hand. He was arguably the best left handed defenseman on Detroit to end the year. That would be one of our poorest takes, and also that the Bruins would be fighting in the, for a wild card spot. Yeah, that one aged like milk. Uh, yeah. Definitely, that was bad. Um, but no, Jake Wallman, I'm good with like honestly anything like under five million a year. I think I can talk myself into. I'm I'll be like I'm great. good with five to six million right now, <laughs> dude. Like he, I I have full belief in Jake Wallman right now, and I think he's a legit top or top he's top, two to, he's, he's top, top two to three defenseman. Wow, on a team. I just think. You are having trouble with it because the sample size is not there, but which is very valid. These are the type of risks that yes. make a team. Like a okay, I'm really gl- I'm really glad you brought that up because I was gonna another comparison I could have thought of as well, but a way different story in terms of career arc was John Marino. Yep, four four point two five for seven years. Took the risk, ended up being a good contract. Another John Marino's one, good. Um, Devin Tays, Matias Samuelson, Devontae's. Yep. Uh, his his was a shorter term. It was like four, four point two five five four. Samuelson was seven years again. But again, just, you take the you take you the risk of players. Teach just, that mobility. That's where you get the value in terms of contract and team building. That's where you get the value is, is you take swings on this. The other ones you get value on is your players off ELCs, locking them up to a long term deal, and hoping they'll perform it, even though they might have not have earned it yet. Like Tim Stutzlis, for example, right now he looks great. Yep, very good. Uh, obviously, different positions and different ages. Also, but... Tage Thompson. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, he's, he outperformed before he even started. Yes. Um, so that's what. Yeah, I agree. But at the very least, Alimata provides a certainty on that back end. Great, we have Alimata locked up for two years. We know exactly like who we're gonna have right there. Like he's exactly. on the roster. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I, I'm with you. I want Wallman re-signed for as long as you can get him and for as little as you can, like, little a year. Like, whatever you get him, I'm I'm happy with. But, like, everything else, like, it feels like the it, the one spot's kind of going to be left up for grabs for, like, an Edvinson or Johansson in camp. You fight for I, that spot. I have noticed. This is interesting, too. Um, little point. I really haven't watched many Griffins games this year. But I did notice that. Edvinson and Johansson have been both playing a little bit on the right side. I did notice that as well. Um, Johansson more. Yeah, just interesting. I mean, something of note. I mean, there are no right-handed defensemen that are of note really in the Reddings prospect pool right now. Um, so it doesn't hurt to have like your like good left-handed defenseman playing the right side. Yeah, another so, name. Another name thrown there as well, Leander. Who has played a lot of right yep. side in in the SHL, mm-hmm. and he'll be likely coming over next year. Not that he's going to be probably NHL ready, but again, another name to throw in the hat because I think he will be a top guy in Grand Rapids next year. Yep. So it adds to the depth. I mean, the left left hand side for the Red Wings are. I mean, there's always something the prospect pool wise, but now I mean, even at the NHL level, regardless of what you think of Sherratt, like I I do like I do think he brings value to a, a six. He does. Um, at his price tag, now, I don't know how much value there is for. You're not getting the best bang for your buck there. It does suck because, like, I hate. You like, get a whole lot of bang, but not a whole lot of too much buck. Sometimes a little too much buck. Yeah. No, but I think the Red Wings' defense is well set, and I again love Alimata, love the deal. I did it's like just, how it's just crazy. it was almost like it's only like him scoring against Edmonton, like cashed cash in the contract. Like yeah, it was right that's, after. That's what right I, I thought. Yeah. I mean score, I he's score goal, you get paid. But no, Alimata was saying like how how nice it is to like be trusted and in a situation which he hasn't really felt in a long time. So there's a certain point about that player is happy. Keep you keep a player. If he's happy in your situation, you want to keep players that like being and he's there. performing. And he's performing. And you, didn't really, you didn't really give him that big of a raise. It was like a $750,000 raise. No. Yes. Um, back on Wallman quick, though. Perfect. I, I would be severely confused if you don't try to get him on term this year. That'd be bad. No, it'd be, it'd be dumb. Because if you're just going to give him like a one or two year contract, like that does not make any sense to me. Nope. I agree. Especially because... If he goes up, then the tag goes way up. Yeah. Because again, like if it's like a one year deal, let's say it'll be twenty eight, twenty nine. Like, yeah, he, I, that's still that's still five years of good hockey. I'm all for risk when it comes to Wallman right now. This is where he's gonna look to bank in because this will be the best contract he likely gets the rest of his career too, especially because of his age. Yep, and he's finally like be he's in a role right now where he really suits him. Uh, the coaching staff really trusts him. I think it's a it's a good match. I, think so I don't see so why too. it doesn't happen. But uh, yeah, but no, I think it's a good conversation you brought up with the future and like how it shakes out next year. Likely, it'll be a left-handed guy moving to the right. I think that's how it goes. But again, way too early. I mean, trades can happen, all that fun stuff. Check so, can happen. There's a lot that can happen. I was gonna throw up a funny thing. I was gonna have a funny banter about Chickering later. We'll get into it. We'll get into it a little bit. A little. Uh, little tease um Tyler we talked about last episode that there was a bunch of interest and we had a really good conversation nuanced of hey you know you 
pick the right team and you could do all right in a big package, especially when he's playing better. He has been playing better, which has also led to the Red Wings winning more games, which has led to Steve Eisenman reportedly taking Tyler Bertuzzi off the trade market. Um, is reported on Saturday night by Ellie Friedman. And um, the big thing is now the Red Wings are in a playoff race. They don't want Bertuzzi. They don't want to sell Bertuzzi. They'd rather keep him and have the Red Wings keep pushing. I mean, obviously this could change. And if it's like if the Red Wings, let's say, lose the next four games, then maybe they reconsider. Um, but I personally, I like the decision. And I mean, yeah. we can kind of break it down from different perspectives, but I mean, at first hearing it, like, what were your kind of like initial thoughts? Um, I I was pretty happy at first. I mean, I would like to see Bertuzzi stay, and I just think it is important for a team to. I I it's important for a player player of the likes of like Larkin. And some of your older guys like that have been here a while, Fabry, and I guess you could even throw Bertuzzi in that. Players that have been here that haven't experienced a push. <laughs> I mean, Larkin's the only one that has really that's been here. And it was his yeah. rookie year. Yep. Um e- even like Lucas Raymond and Mort Sider. It's important for them to establish a winning culture early on in their career and know what it's like to win, and know what it's like to push for a playoff spot. Yeah. Um. I, it's invaluable experience. I, I know you could lose assets. Um. I don't know. You can look at it both ways. There's always assets and there's always experience, but something this team hasn't had in a long time. Yeah, it's, that is the big question of, like, what is what brings more value to the team? And it seems as if Eisman has decided that pushing for playing meaningful games and uh, uh, pushing for the wild card and having a goal is more important, which I, I, I understand completely. And from Bertuzzi, in, like, obviously he's a player who has been in the news for trade, de- like, trade deadline stuff forever, it feels like. Nothing's happened. I know there's with the con obviously it's well documented the arbitration case, then only signing a two year deal on his last deal. I mean, it's coming off injury, so there's that whole wrinkle that was thrown into it. Um but again, he's had such an interesting year, so it's almost it's so hard to judge. But like it was it's it's so obvious that like the Red Wings want to be competitive. And with the buzz in the city, I mean you look at like social media, like I have never seen Red Wing fans more engaged. Yeah. Personally, um, and you give the past yeah past six seasons, you're not playing like you're you're out of it by early March, and you're kind of just playing for nothing. Like I'm trying to think like a couple of years like a couple of years ago, it was like the Larkin Mantha Bertuzzi line like two weeks in a row like had like stars of the week because they were just putting up silly numbers. Yeah, because they weren't really playing with any structure. It was just like we're just playing. Um, and Let's have like fun. and again like referencing back, I had talked about that Coyotes game. That was like was that pre or post deadline i can't remember it was something it's around there yeah I'm around the deadline sure either the pittsburgh game the 11-2 game was definitely post deadline um those are awful games and you can't have that it's really bad for like you said lucas raymond mart cider jonathan jonathan bergeron this year um so having a guy like produzi who 
not only like brings a ton of value in terms of forechecking and putting up points, but he also slots your team better. Yep. And it creates roster battles. Like you can easily like make the argument, oh, the great the Red Wings have a lot of depth in the wings. You could trade someone. Yeah, but like you're also going to play playing players higher in the lineup than they should be. Which is something the Red Wings did have depth all year, but like you looked in the early of the season, like look at who was playing in the top six. And compared to now. It's definitely more it's it's better now than what it was. So having a guy like Bertuzzi on the roster is such it's valuable and some and he doesn't do, he does something that like the rest of the team doesn't just doesn't do. He's a one of a kind player. Um, that being said, personally, I question like if I'm good with keeping him, but like I would like to retain him. In a vacuum, yep. like that's what you should be, and also in a vacuum, like looking from pure asset management, like looking at the percentage points and like how like what the math looks like for the writings to actually get in like i was referencing that that model 21 percent from those odds that you should in a vacuum you should sell a player like that right yeah you should um but it's just not the case like again like it's not a vacuum you look at the the red wings past a couple years not a couple years six years i've been said that a couple times now you need to be playing meaningful games. And with a, there's also like the realistic business side of this. As much as fans and media don't really love to talk about it, Red Wings have a brand new arena that like has not seen anywhere close to play a hockey yet. And it's yeah. really nice and it was very expensive. And I'm sure man or ownership wants to see some playoff games in it sooner rather than later. For the ticket, I think that ticket revenue. Um, I I found I found it interesting in today's uh Jeff Merrick show episode with Elliot Friedman. He reported that he thought as if he he heard something along the lines of the ownership really pushed for the Red Wings to make some big moves this, this past summer to sign in names to make games more important down the stretch. And yeah, you know, it worked. Obviously, there's more engagement, and I mean, if you look at like I know there's um. There, you know, I know there's like a bunch of stuff like I think what's I'm blanking right now on the account. I think it's like NHL news or something like that. They post like the attendance. Yeah. A lot of late has been LCA sellout. Yeah. Which is something like last year this at this time wasn't happening. So I'm I think that's a huge part of what's going on here. Um, But yeah, like, again, I totally get it from both ends. Uh but I personally would like to him to be retained if this is going to happen. Agreed. Um, but yeah, and this also, I mean, you look at it from the other point, is Steve Eisman just simply saying this, taking off the table because A, he's either not getting the value he wants or B, he's just trying to create more of a scarcity. I mean, you had Vladimir Tarasenko in the past couple weeks go, Ryan O'Reilly go, um, I'm trying to think like Patty Kane is his value is in a weird Zytub. place. I mean, yeah, not a forward, but you're right. Dyson Mayo. Nolachari. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stop it. Timo Meyer, like his price tag being really big. And Bertuzzi was like arguably one of, one of the best. Jonathan Taze, that was the other name I was thinking of. He legitimately is off the market. But so you look at it from that sense, like Bertuzzi is one of the best pieces to go after. So are you just pulling out for a little bit to see what else comes in and like someone wows you with the move? And who panics? If someone panics and wows you, by all means, like you got to do it for the better of the team and you can talk to whoever. But 
um about it and that's another thing i forgot to mention as well like the value of like dylan larkin feeling like all right i have a good team around me like this is in my it's in our hands to do it get us as close as we can or get in yeah and it's also a good friend it's a it'd be a huge kick to the room to when you with a position the Reddings are currently at to trade Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. If they're only two or if they're less than five points out of the playoff spot, come trade deadline. That's a tough one. Cause I know players will always think we can get in. Doesn't matter what the math says. So I there's definitely a, a balancing act, and it seems like Eisman's being a little cautious, but again, like I was theorizing as well. I mean, there's the tinfoil hat that he's just waiting to someone to panic and then sell which could be the case and it makes that all the more interesting that i wrote down that uh horkoff was at the uh minnesota wild and national predators game on sunday very it's one thing like i know like david pagnot is super famous for just tweeting out like here are here's the game and we have 14 scouts on the stands and names all the teams it's like great the pro, pro scouts are doing their job good job Congrats. good job scouts good job guys um, but when an assistant general manager comes to town and is at the game and is reported being there, that is significant. Yeah. Means a lot more. And I know the, the wild were one of the teams that were linked to Tyler Bertuzzi as well of late. And so obviously like you, it's easy to be like, okay, so Sean Horcroft's doing his due diligence. I guess like kind of going that, like my question would be like, what on the roster would he be looking at? Because when you look at um, like you look at like Minnesota's roster, you're like, uh, I don't know what you're, I don't know what we're getting. A lot of interesting pieces that like don't really fit what the Red Wings are looking for. Yeah. So I the one name I came up with was uh, Adam Beckman. Other yeah, he's that, I, he's an interesting one. Other than that, I couldn't think of a single person that Sean Horkoff would be looking at in terms of like coming back in a trade. Unless you were like making like a three-way deal of like you taking out Matt Dumba or something and flipping him later, I don't know. But yeah, definitely notable, and yeah, I'm personally I I find it I think it's a good shot in the I mean obviously I don't know if he's I, I don't think he's talked to Bertuzzi about it or anything but having holding on to Bertuzzi keeping him is a big jolt for like the fan base and puts them at ease I think a little bit being like okay we're really they're really focused on pushing which is something that hasn't been the case in years. So I'm very excited. It just makes me more excited to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What else do I have? So we, we've kind of talked about all the games, but we can kind of like go into like more like storylines within those games and kind of pick in from there. So kind of they're a little while ago. Um, talk for Verona. I kind of keep talking about Larkin a little bit, though. Again, we've referenced like he's been like one of the best players. He was uh, NHL's third star of the week. But the funny thing is, he was NHL PA's first star of the week. I find that funny. Yeah, that's interesting. It's funny because the Players Association is trying to get a unrestricted free agent paid. Like, yeah, hey, look, at, look at this. He's our he's our pending unrestricted. He's a pending unrestricted free agent. He's our first star. Um. <laughs> But no, legitimately, like good for Larks. I four goal. I had four in four games. He had four goals and four assists. So huge performance, obviously. I think Nathan McKinnon was someone else who was the other star. Um, but no, he's been he's been easily the Red Wings' best player down the stretch. This is the best. I it might be the best I've seen him play in his whole career. Yeah, it's definitely up there. This is quite the stretch, and he's and doing it without Lucas Raymond too, which is super, in, which is super like interesting. 
as a guy who facilitating the puck, facilitating the puck. Easy for me to say. I mean, it, that was just better than the intro we just tried three times, but. Yeah, that's fine. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Actually, we can. It wasn't me. That's true. Yeah, it's, I'm. It's not me. It's you. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, Larkin's been, <laughs> he's been so much fun to watch, truly. And it, I know we were complaining a little, like, earlier in the year about his power play, but I mean, on the power play, he's been. He's been the Red Wings' best power play guy, and that his absence was extremely felt in the Washington game. Um, yeah, like Big, extremely, extremely felt. I mean, David Perron was doing his damnedest, but <laughs> no one else was feeling it. I uh, honestly Rob- thought Verano was one of the best players on the power play when he got out there. Yeah. Also, also, Bergeron's really good on the power play, but I hate how they use him in some games. Me too. Like, he he gets the puck minimally. I thought Cider was atrocious on the power play. Against Washington, he's really struggled. He love me, love me some. Ro- Go ahead. Scheider struggles on the power play without Larkin. I've noticed. Yeah, because he has that bumper option. Yeah, I love me some Robbie Fabry, but he's not a half wall guy. He's fine though, like in the right circumstance. Like also, when I feel like he has Larkin supporting him on the bumper, he doesn't mm. struggle as much because he knows he can just dump it off to Larkin. Yeah, and Larkin him- is everyone's. Larkin and Perron are like everyone's like little safety. Like I'm just gonna throw to them and they'll catch the puck because yeah. both of them do extremely good job of receiving a pass and also like doing something with it. Yeah, and then the break in was atrocious too because Larkin breaks in the puck himself basically. Yep. So the break in wouldn't work at all unless Bertuzzi just ended up taking the puck himself and then Bertuzzi would do something dumb with it once he got the puck in the zone. Yeah, because Bertuzzi. He like, yeah, he just doesn't, he doesn't he, know what to do. No, he can't have that much time with it. It's not good. <laughs> he gets too excited. Does he gets way too excited? But no, Dylan Larkin, great. I'm very happy. Also sign the man. Him yeah, and Jake pay, Wallman both. Pay that man. Pay them both. Whatever money they want. I'm fine with it. Blank Eight check. by twenty, each of them. Each of them. Matching. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Um also, I mean, we've solved our second line center problem. His name's Pew Suter. Oh. No, his name's Pew Suter. What a heater yes. he's on. Five goals his last five. Yeah. He he's he's nuts. Again, we I mean we talked about last year, like it, it in spurts last year, like as him as the two C, we're like, yeah, it's fine, like this is good, we're okay with it. We knew we were getting like he has underrated offense for sure, but like his big thing is his defensive acumen. Like his defensive game has been top like top notch, honestly of late. That's where like again he was the guy who filled in for Dylan Larkin on the first line, and he deserved it. That's that was the best. That was the right call. Yep. He was great. Um, he was the number one guy on the hockey stack card from the Washington game, obviously. But no, I mean, yeah, great PKer, and he's been one of the Red Wings' best players down the stretch here. Um, is it bad? I'm starting. I'm gonna start a petition to resign him. Yeah, I I might. I'll be the first one to sign it. Cool. I think he brings a lot of value in the bottom six. I truly do. I don't like he's he does like everything like just well and I think Lalone was like really singing his praises about like, with his hockey IQ, I just how smart he is. He doesn't he doesn't wow you with really anything he does. He just does everything well. And like legitimately, the Red Wings the Red Wings bottom six is good. It's good, yeah. The the I... top six is where it's not compared to like competitive teams or not competitive teams but like playoff teams. That's where you lose matchups, but yeah. the bottom six, bottom six overall, like matches up pretty well in the NHL. 
I just I love everything about Suter's game because it seems like he can plug in just about anywhere in the lineup. I mean, obviously he's at his best when he's playing in the bottom six. Man on on a penalty kill, like you mentioned earlier, he's really impressed. Um, and he's just always finds himself in the right place. Yeah, and one thing I've always admired about his game is in the ozone on the cycle. Like, he's really good on the cycle. He's good at finding space. Yes. I don't know who it was against. Um, Man, that's going to bug me. One of the last couple games or no? It was against Washington, but I can't think of who the player was. Okay. Suter had the puck in the ozone, and he was kind of pinned, but whoever it was couldn't even pin him. Because he spun off him four different times. Oh, I did. Then, I do remember that play. I don't remember. And he made a play. It was a defender, I think. I thought it was a forward. Oh, maybe. But I can't think of who it was. Um, oh, it's Dylan Strom. It was Dylan Strom. Yes, I remember that play. It was in the corner, and he like made him look silly. Yeah, he worked him. I was yeah, that was great. I really liked that. No, um, Pusier. I've really liked his game. And again, uh, Pusier fan club, we're we're coming. Contract contract petition, we're stamp we're we're stapling onto Steve Eisman's door. Let's get it done. Yeah, there's a lot. I'm gonna staple onto his door. The next yeah, right now weeks. there's th- three of them. Three of them right now. I'm full full on. Let's go. Yeah, him yeah. and Sunquist also have created like a nice little connection. I mean, and that Zadina line too. I mean, that was uh, with Zadina. I thought that line was there. That was easily their best line against Seattle. But they also had a good game against Calgary. Yeah, they've they really put together. Sunquist has been good too. I'll give him that as well. He has been good. Yeah, he brings I know a he lot. Catched, he catches a lot of hate because he's the boring player on the forward group. But you need you need a boring player. You need a boring player. And you need a boring he, player a little bit. Yeah, which makes this uh, next conversation all the more interesting. Lucas Raymond looming return. Um, there was reports he was shooting for tomorrow, but I was we were talking about it before. I sent I sent a message. There needed to be something that happened via waivers this afternoon at two o'clock, or else one one of Verona, Valeno, or Bergen would be being sent down to make room for Raymond. Without any other moves, I should preface, and we'll talk about that a little bit. And nothing happened in the waiver wire, so therefore, one of two things, or one of three things, maybe, that like you brought up as well, one of three things: a Raymond's not playing tomorrow, which I think is probably the most likely. B one of Verona, Valeno, and or Bergman gets sent down. I think that's the least likely. That just quick touch on that. That would be absolutely wild to me because Valeno has been so significantly played a significant role for the team lately. Yes, I know, but I'm just I'm just saying that would be the move that would create space because you know they don't require waivers. I know, and I'm just saying like if that does happen, I will be shocked. Uh, yeah, Bergman has been one of the most productive forwards while playing a minimal. In minimal minutes, and then Verona is Verona, and I will be shocked if he goes back to the minors. Yeah, I'm just saying he wouldn't have to clear waivers because he's I, I already, so that's why he goes into it. And then, um, like you brought up, Robbie Fabry, maybe put put on our IR. I know he took that that stinger late in the game. I'm not yeah, sure. and and I don't remember if he came back or not to play. Now I know really. in Lalone's presser after the game, he didn't have an update on him. Okay, so. so that's that's something. 
Um, and again, I, I would hate Lucas Raymond's return to be in the absence of Robbie Fabry because again, Robbie Fabry has been really been good, really, really good. So I hate to see that, but it does create an interesting wrinkle of like what lines look like and who comes out. Obviously, with with the Fabry one, that's an easy one. Raymond just goes in for Fabry. I mean, you can argue Zadina should be in too. Then you look in who's coming out for him. Is it Kubalik? Is it Sunquist? Yeah, it's interesting. They, they all, the 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 thing is they have a lot of wingers that do kind of the same thing. That being Verona, Zadina, Kubalik. Yeah, similar playing styles, I should say. But like, they don't have a guy who plays like similar to Sunquist. He's a yeah. he's a one of kind. You don't have a you don't have a guy who plays like Pew Suter really. He's unique. Joe yeah. Valeno, unique. Bergeron, unique. You have other guys who fit niches on this team. So like you kind of like it, for the time being, it's always going to be these wingers that are going to be rotated in, in my opinion. Yeah. Are they all NHL caliber players? Yes. But like that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't I don't love it, but also I do love it because the Reddings are competitive and this is good. They're a good team. Yeah. So by all means, it just it, it does make things interesting, and I really want Lucas Raymond back. So I, I hope I there is a tough decision that's made. I like those. Yeah, there, I, I want there to be one as well. Yes, but um, no, it definitely would have been a more interesting conversation if, like, let's say, like the Fabry thing wasn't looming, and there was it was a more of an update on that, like a definitive thing. But uh, yeah, like if there wasn't, like I was really thinking, like they, I was looking for Gustav Lindstrom to be on waivers today. I was. I would have been shocked. Nope, because seemingly they chose Robert Hag in a must-win game to be the six, and over and Osterley would have played the game before and played just fine. So it kind of seems where the rankings are is Gus Lindstrom's eight. Yeah, and I'm completely fine. Like you losing the waivers by all means, I don't care. I don't. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't. He doesn't really bring. Like they don't trust him. Whenever he, whenever he's in the game, he plays eleven minutes. Robert Hag played, I think, fifteen or sixteen last night. That's third pair of minutes. The I get more sc- scared when um, Lindstrom's on the ice than, than Hag, too. I think so, too. I'm with you. Lindstrom chokes, and he's also, like, not physical, where Hag yeah. will throw the body around and block shots, which I appreciate. Um, Also, has an underrated shot. Not that his goal last night was, like, a beamer by any means, but, like, it, when he actually shoots it, like, he's created some rebounds and stuff like that. And that made it good offensive looks. What do you mean? That was a snipe. It's true. I, I'm sorry. I need Robert Hag stands out there. I apologize for the slander. I'm right here. <laughs> as you were tw- as you were texting me before the game, how you d- disagreed wholeheart- wholeheartedly in a must-win game to put in Robert Hag. Yeah. He made you look dumb. He made you look stupid. He did. Okay. No, but I'm I'm really like I'm again this this team's hot streak without Lucas Raymond, even it's excited to be able to plug in a top line player. Yeah. And also again, it just continues to slot players properly. I think Perron, like as much as we love him, I think he's a second line guy. And you get him, you get him with like, I've really liked him with whether, whether it be Rasmussen, cop Berger and like all any of those three players, I think he does really well with this year and he's fit in quite well. So curious to see what that, um, the lineup looks like. Um, to kind of wrap here, kind of like getting some like NHL news related stuff, um, trade related reasons. I mean, that's why we're holding out Andy today. He's trade related reasons as well. But um, 
no. What do you what do you think of those? Like, what do you think of like players such as Chikrit and Gavrikov being held out for trade related reasons and then not being traded? Um, I think it's fine if they're agreeing for it or agreeing with it. I mean, it's all up to them. I mean, they know they're probably gonna get moved. If they're like, fine, okay, sit me out, protect your asset. Um, but if they want to play, I mean, I think it's pretty shitty. Yeah. I don't know. There's not much to it. I mean, I don't really care. I think it's funny the way they word it, but it's just so brutally honest. That's like it, it makes it fun. The Gavrikov one, and I should be fair, it sounds like it's done. It's just the Columbus Blue Jacks are waiting for the Bruins to make some final trades. It's like Craig Smith, I think, is the name that they're waiting to move. Which is welcome uh... to Chicago. <laughs> well, welcome to Arizona. Yeah, whoever will take him. I think honestly, like a team like Calgary would be smart to pick him up, or Anaheim. I'm I'm talking about like a team that actually like is like looking to be competitive and like oh. needs depth. I think Anaheim could use him. I mean, sure, they could use a lot of they could use a lot of things, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Yeah, sure, Craig Smith, come on down. Mike Riley's another name too, but again, he's buried in the minors, so it's less that's being taken off your books immediately. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Chicker and stuff though, like. I feel like, dude, he's been rumored to be on the move for years now. I yeah. feel like I've aged so much, and he's still just on there. I, I do, lo- I love it though. Like again, like he started skating in today, and then like they keep pestering the coach. Poor guy. Like, what's he supposed to say? Like, it's like above my head. Quit yeah, asking me. Nothing for him to say. Yeah, it's just like I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> ask Bill. Ask Bill. Ask him what he's doing. He's holding over too damn much. That's what's happening. No, what the, what the Red So here's my little like my teaser that I had. The Red Wings are gonna double. The Red Wings are the sneaky team here. They're doubling up. They're gonna they're gonna reunite Nick Schmaltz and Newsy. Yeah, in a package deal with Chikrin. It's happening. Yeah, Red Wings make the push. Playoffs game. Let's go. We watched uh, Nick Schmaltz and Derek Lalonde in Green Bay. So yeah, we watched best of my times. His draft, Nick Schmaltz draft year, he was sick in the USHL. Yeah, he's, he's still sick. I remember watching him in Brown County Arena. And he was the only kid wearing the cage on the ice, and he was cruising out there. What Candy a beautiful came arena. <laughs> no. The lowest that, glass you'll ever play in. That's a barn. That is a barn right there. Can no I longer a barn, barn, but was a barn. Was a barn. RIP. Anyone in the Green Bay or Wisconsin area, RIP. You'll know we're talking about. Um, but yeah, definitely a... I, I loved that. I, I don't know why I thought of that before. Like I was like making the notes and I'm like, how funny it'd be if, if Derek Lulon's just like, you know what? I want Nick Schmaltz. Yeah, that would be awesome. He's very good. I'm, He's really, I'm, really good. I'm a Nick Schmaltz guy for sure. Does have a big, t- does have a big little nice little ticket attached to him. So that definitely creates a wrinkle, but you know, that's okay. Um, A couple other things like uh, Patrick Kane. What's he, what's he doing? Like what's going on with him? To Detroit. Oh, there we go. Another guy. We're just, we're buyers, huge buyers. Yeah. I love it. Like the Jeff Merrick show today, like the episode was titled, are the Red Wings buyers now? It's like, okay. <laughs> I think like it might be like a thing where like you get like a, a depth piece for like a fourth if you really want to max it out or something like that. Or like a young piece that like you can sell is going to be here past that. Like I don't think they're targeting rentals. Yeah. But um, I, I get it. I, I know it's a conversation piece. It's talk radio, whatever. I get it. But um, no, Patrick Kane, like, it's such a weird thing of, like, he's gone from having all the value in the world, like, 
September, October of like, they're now they're going to sell him. Like he's going to get, I know the big one was like Alex Lafreniere and a first from New York. Right. Yeah. And then he, the Chicago was really, really bad. He was also not good. And then the hip injury. And then like, all of a sudden he's like, all right, he's just going to get a second round pick. And everyone's, and I feel like that was like a really big overcorrection. And then now it's kind of back up. He's been on a hot streak. I'm really pissed that one goal didn't count in overtime. That slapper. That was fucking nasty. <laughs> that was nasty. I gotta throw the explicit on on this episode. That's fine. No, that that goal earned the fucking. Yeah, that was nasty. That was gross. I'm so upset that it didn't count. I'm not. I hate the Blackhawks. I truly do. But like, you know what? That goal, sick. I would have let it go. If I'm Vegas, I'm like, you know what? That was nice. We'll we'll take we'll take the L. We don't even need to go to shootout. They lost in the shootout, didn't they? Like yeah. they, yeah. So yeah, I mean, they same, said we don't even know need to go to the shootout. Yeah. So same thing. Whatever. It's not that Chicago needs the ROWs or anything. Like <laughs> they're not anywhere close. So that would have been such a cool walk off, and then just trade them the next day. That's what everyone was saying. It's like imagine that being his last goal in United Center. Ideal scenario. Like you look at like as a Chicago fan, I think that's like perfect. Yeah. Again, do I care about Chicago fans having nice things? Not really, but. No. Again, as a pure NHL fan, that would have been sick. Um, so where, where do you want Patrick Kane to go? I'm mixed. I have a couple. I have a couple of answers. One for chaos, for like personal enjoyment of seeing Twitter burn down. The other, like being an actual hockey fit. So, what would you rather hear first? Uh the hockey fit. Hockey fit Edmonton. They just double down on what they're good at: offense, baby. Let it ride. Rip yeah. it up. Rip it up. Give me give me uh like I think Leon and Kane would be a good match. Leon scoring, Kane setting them up, and then you can truly split up event like Connor and Leon. You give them like Zach Hyman or something on that line, you go Evander Kane and like um I don't know, whoever, name your guy to go on the yeah. other line of with, with McDavid. I think it'd be a fun fit, personally. It'd be a lot of cap maneuvering, but I think they take like Jesse Pugliarvi and something like that. I think he can make it work. Yeah. And it'd be a good little bet for Chicago. Nice little reclamation project. Fits sure. both ways, in my opinion. Get a third team to retain, and you'd honestly be saving money. True. There you go. And the chaotic move that I want to see Twitter burn down is New York Rangers. I would hate life if he went to the Rangers. See, I want nothing I've, good for the New York Rangers organization. I would be the first to burn Twitter down. See, that's why I want it to happen, though, because they're so anti-Kane right now, and they would hate it. That's why I want it to happen. The Rangers fans are anti-Kane? Oh, they're very anti-Kane right now. That's not what I'm seeing. Really? I saw they're all jacked because Kane said that he wants them to re-look into a Rangers trade and see if it's, oh there's God. any way possible. You've ruined it. You've ruined it for me. So I want I for like like last week they were very like the hip sucks like Vladimir Tarasenko is such a better fit which he well did you is. see did you see that Kane wants them to I did not he, see that so that ruined he, my answer he said for me. today that or he told someone I, I don't have the source right off the top of my head but source the, I made it up source I made it up uh they were talking about how Kane wants them to and like see if they're still fit there I mean. I think Puckpedia was the one who tweeted it out that like they technically can make it work with like moving out a little bit of money and then also re- getting the retention. So, I mean, 
and they do have that spot like in the, on the in the top six in my opinion still that they need to fill that'd be nuts they would have a sick top nine they would they'd um, be really good and i would be pissed um i mean this too okay do you want to hear mine now i guess i'll throw in dallas as another good fit the good really fit need- Edmonton's Edmonton's the team I want. Edmonton's the team I want. I think Edmonton, I guess Edmonton, I won't put in there just because I I like two other teams that I want to mention. Okay. I think Dallas would be really fun. And there'd be like, I think a pretty good fit there. And he would help that team a lot. Yeah. The team I really, really want though, if they don't get Meyer, I don't know if this is for pleasure's sake because I made a bet at them are on them at the start of the season to win the Stanley Cup, and then they lost their game-breaking forward. Um, so they need a new one. Uh, is Carolina. Oh, okay. I think Patrick Kane would be so much fun in Carolina. So I don't know if you saw um, Frank Saravalli does, like, his own podcast now. Like, he, he does, like, a Frankly Speaking, I think is what it's called. He had Tom Dundon on today, and by all surprise, he was like, we're looking to make some big splashes. Patrick Kane could be that. They they have the cap space and the assets. Carolina is well set up. They can make it's it. It's just all in Patrick Kane's hands, though. That's the only thing. Chicago and I mean, it was kind of it was Stan Bowman era, but like Chicago and Carolina have made a ton of trades in the past. I mean, look at Taravine and Bickle. Yeah. Um, you get plenty of stuff like that. So I mean, it is an interesting fit. I like that. I like that too, personally. Um, I still think Carolina's like they need to try to get a center. I don't know where they get a center. But like they they still need someone to score goals. <laughs> Even though Cock and Yami's been like actually pretty good of late. I I think their biggest need right now is Timo Meyer. I think they need someone to score goals. Yeah. Everyone's biggest needs Timo Meyer. They have so much. It. Like the Carolina Hurricanes are a, a really structured team. They just don't have that one breaker, and Patch Radio is supposed to be that. Yeah, man. It sucks. I sucks for patches. Like, I know. I, really, I love. I love watching patches. That would have been such a good fit too. Oh, like it was. Per- dude, dude, he had the, like he had like the, two goals in like three games. I know. I know. I picked him up in fantasy. I was like, I, I like was really thinking about it. I'm like, I've I got this league. Like I'm catching up. I was gonna make a late. I was gonna make a last minute push. Yeah. As my as my record to start the year was bad, but no, of course patches. Yeah, poor guy. Got a feel for him. Um, that's a fun fit. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I was also going to ask about the Ryan O'Reilly trade because it kind of seems like there's either two sides on Twitter and like the other, like there's really no middle. It's either the Leafs fleece the Blues, like L, Doug Armstrong, or else it's like the Blues fleece the Maple Leafs, like a first round pick plus like second round pick and a third round pick and whatever, like the two roster players don't really mean much, but three picks for two pending unrestricted free agents, like huge win. I thought it was a huge win for the Leafs at first, but then I guess the more I thought about it, I think it's a pretty even trade. I think it's a perfect um, trade. Perfect trade. I think that's going to really help the Leafs. So, I mean, watching the Marner, Tavares, and Ryan O'Reilly line last night yeah. against Buffalo, I was like, oh, my gosh. As a hockey fan, it gives you everything you want. In a line, that's like a perfect. That's a perfect line. As someone that hates yeah. the Leafs, I don't like it at all. <laughs> I I know, me too, dude. As a fan, I was I was I was watching the highlights today because obviously the Red Wing game was going on during that game, and I was like, "Damn, that was good." I know, I really like Ryan that O'Reilly was, though. And me I, too, man. I really, I I re- really like Mitch Marner, so I like cheering for Mitch Marner. It's just, love Mitch Marner. 
It's tough. Definitely. No, I I like the trade a lot. I was at men's league when it broke, so I obviously I got on the phone. I got on like I was on my phone like post game, and I was like, "Damn, like that's a that's a big deal." And Toronto went big fishing. Like, that was exactly what they needed. And you also get Nolachari as well to fill up the top bottom six. Like he's a solid fourth line guy. He is. Yeah, he was playing third line center for the Blues. Yeah, I mean again, he's playing fourth line center right now, and I think that's more fitting. More of a fit too. Yeah. Um. But no, I think they did really I, well. And then like, also, you basically have a in a a team Canada Olympic line as your second line. It's great. It's great. I mean, like two years ago, you could argue that that could be an Olympic line. I mean, yes. I don't know that Ryan O'Reilly is that anymore. I still think he's a very very good forward in the league. He's a second line center. Yes. He's a good second line center. He say hasn't had a good year, but also, I mean, if you look at any of the fancy stats, like if you look at like his on ice like shooting percentage, it's garbage. But you also look like his finishing by his line mates and also his goal, his save percentage when he's on the ice, yeah. both are awful. I saw like, it's that. it's just like he's basically Jay Fresh like summed it up as being like he's the most unlucky player in the NHL. Yeah, and it's a lot of and and of course he he pops off as soon as he gets to Toronto. So I mean, good for him. I like Ryan O'Reilly a lot. Um, sad it's on the Leafs, but that's okay. Also, from the Blues perspective as well, I mean, two pending free agents, you get that load of picks, and also, all of a sudden now, there's rumors that the Blues are in on Timo Meyer. <laughs> yeah, what? I mean, I mean they sense. have the assets, and look at their core. I know. Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, pa- Pavel Buchnevich, who's also an underrated player. Jake Walman. Oh, wait. Uh, David Perron. Oh. <laughs> Billy Huso. Mm. Oh. Robbie Fabry. Yeah. I did like oh, also shout out Max Bowman. Really good article today on the relationship between Doug Armstrong and Steve Eisman and how the link is how many blues have gone to the Red Wings and how they keep making deals. I thought that was really good. So I funny enough, we were talking about we were just talking about that with the Red Wings, and we of were. course Max Max wrote about it today. So really good work. Check that out. He's definitely worth it. Um yeah. Definitely a uh, it it's honestly kind of like I, I took the day off for the trade deadline, but I'm a little nervous that's gonna be really boring. Yeah, there's a good chance of that. I'm really looking forward to Max Domi for a third. I'm super excited. Yeah, I can't wait to see some fringe contender trade for Max Domi. Um, I don't have too much else. Do you have really anything else? You want to? I do not. Cool. Um, obviously a uh, big week ahead for the Red Wings to play against the yeah, Rangers lightning before we come back. Uh, yeah. Um, also sign up with ESPN plus uh, inside the rink.com slash ESPN. Um, make sure you're checking out that um, follow us on social Twitter at TBL pod, subscribe to Apple um, support inside the rink partners in this. A lot of good stuff coming live stream for trade deadline Maybe boring, but enjoy enjoy the boredom with us. I'll be on all day. So uh March third. I'm not sure exactly what time yet. Um give an update next week on the next episode on when it will start. Make sure to look be on the lookout for that. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening. So as soon as uh we're about to hang up, we're talking post show and uh talking kind of going back to our conversation about Lucas Raymond and how ways he would be come into the lineup. And of course, uh cat friendly transactions automated um, tweet sends out that Jacob Verona has been sent to the minors. Um, obviously, we just had a conversation about how Jacob Verona actually had a pretty good one game appearance. Um, I know it's very raw, but like, what are your kind of your th- thoughts on it? I am 
a little bit confused. <laughs> I really thought he came in and really gave himself a great opportunity to showcase himself. And yeah. maybe that's all it was, was a showcase. All I know is that Nick Alberga guy is going to be, he's loving this right now. Yeah. It's tough. I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. I don't, I don't understand it either. Cause I thought arguably in his short period of time played last night against Washington, I thought he was one of the best players on the ice when he had the puck on a stick and was moving. Yeah. I'm scratching my head at this one. I mean, I'm happy to see that Raymond's back because I'm sure that will be the following move that comes with it. I know Red Wings PR will probably won't tweet it until sometime in the morning, but uh, yeah, cat friendly transactions. I mean, they do whatever is submitted to the league. That's what they tweet out. Like it's just, it's an automated thing. It's not someone behind a keyboard just tweeting in something. Um, Definitely. I, f- I feel awful for him. He seemed to be in a really good spot and I was, I did, like you said, I liked his hustle the last game, but yeah, I'm interested to see what else comes with this. It's hard not to think of what comes like what else comes with this, right? Um, and the decision to go there, and also like the decision in general. Again, like I said, like I was expecting full on like one of the defensemen to be chosen to be waived. Right. Me too. So, so I mean, I understand like carrying 14 forwards is not ideal, but same thing can be said about defensemen. So, uh, does does that really make you think that? The idea is to move them at the deadline. Hard not to see it that way. Because you see it as a showcase for a game and then not to waste a roster spot on him right now and not to waste the possibility of like the likes of Lindstrom or Hag getting claimed on waivers because you see I them would... as roster players right now. I don't know. It's hard to look at it that way, but how are you I would keeping... seriously question what you're weighing as roster players then. And also in a showcase – if you if that was the case, you'd want to keep Ron on the roster, in my opinion, because one game's not gonna get you that extra but if you're, pick. If you're fighting for a playoff spot right now, I suppose once you, once you want the roster that you want on the ice, and you... I suppose, and that's probably. I mean, obviously, that's that's obviously that's what's happened. They don't view him in that spot, but in terms of trade, like a, as a trade asset, you're not. It's not helping anything like that. No, Definitely scr- one, scratches one heads. Yeah. So um yeah. Definitely a interesting one that definitely creates a different. And like I said, I guess I was one out of three options, and I I, I what can I say I nailed it. Unfortunately, I didn't want to nail that one. Actually, didn't I say that was the least likely? Yeah. Wow. I almost I and I, I said that there should be no way that sh- that should be a thing. Wow. Any of those three players get sent down is ridiculous. I said. Well, look at us. Who thought? Yeah, I am lost apparently. Yeah. But uh, yeah, quick little thing. We'll we'll edit it at the end. Yeah.